podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to your Monday Night Rangers Ravel podcast. Um, we are only two minutes late tonight, so I don't want to hear any moaning and complaining in the comments. Um, two minutes late is actually quite good for us. The phone-in will return in a few weeks' time once the season starts, so tonight is just your bog-standard basic run-of-the-mill podcast. So hello, welcome everybody. I hope you're all well. Uh, welcome, Will, Brian and Lewis. Um, thank you for giving up your bank holiday Monday. Uh, to join me tonight and also a big massive thank you to our sponsors Zenith Coins but if you use the code RR25 you will get 25% off your order at zenithcoins.com so yeah hello welcome everybody how are we um Wolf how's your Monday night well Monday night's fine but I'd like to correct you when you call it a bank holiday Monday because we don't all live in the Glasgow area where it's a Glasgow Fair Monday holiday but it's not a holiday up in the northeast of Scotland, because the holiday up here, I believe, was last Monday. Not that it affects me, because I don't get them anyway. Well, apologies. I don't live in Glasgow either. I live in, in Lanarkshire. That's why I said the Glasgow area, central bit, well. My work's in Glasgow, so I get them. And I'm actually off all week, so um, but there you go. And Brian, how are you? Anything you want to have a go at me about? Or? <laughs> no, no. No, no. How are you doing? Just... On a nice chilled Monday. Uh, I feel like the kid at Christmas, Christmas Eve, back to Ibrox tomorrow, so looking forward to that. Right, okay, look, maybe it's not a bank holiday. I'm getting it in the comments now, I know. Maybe it is the fair fortnight. Fair enough, it's the fair fortnight in Glasgow, so happy fair fortnight to everybody. Lewis, how are you? I mean, I'm not bad. I'm not going to pull you up like the holiday police, but it's, <laughs> I'm not bad, it's not bad. Good, good. Absolutely hunters and millions and billions um, to talk about. Obviously, we have the Newcastle game tomorrow where we're going to see Rangers back in action after what feels, honestly, like about 45 years. Um, it feels, I was going to say the, the, the age that Wolf looks, but that would be 45. That's not, that's not right. So, um, yeah, I'm absolutely, I'm gagging to get to Ibrox. I can't wait. Um, so I'm going to go along tomorrow night, as I'm sure most people are. Um, before we come and talk about that, we're going to actually start with some transfers because, Brian, the one thing that we've been talking about so far is transfers in, you know, we've been excited by the amount of people um, that are coming through the door, but what we also spoke about the need to get people out the door, and that seems to be the conversation of today, we know it's about Glenn Kamara, Scott Wright, um, we'll start with Glenn Kamara, Glenn Kamara elites. Um, for a reported somewhere in the region of forty-five million pounds. Before we talk about the money involved, just um, I think this is the best thing for Rangers, but I also think that this is the best thing for Glenn as well. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, we all know how good a player Glenn is um, on his day. Um, as though my cat's just saying hello. <laughs> um, yeah, we all know how good a, a player Glenn is and how he has been in the past for us. But for some reason or another his form's dipped and the interest level is slightly went downhill um i don't think well we all know the reasons probably why his form's dipped you know his mates have all left and <clears throat> the incident with slavia prague as well so you know it's just not been 
he's just not been the same player ever since. Although he had a, a good couple of games in the UEFA Cup run, but apart from that, he's been a very, well, last season particularly, he was a very much a, a bit part player and was hardly involved. So, yeah, it's 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 probably about the sort of right price bracket as well. I mean, I've always been advocating for a, a lot higher price, you know, around the 8, 10 million, but I think if he was playing well and, you know, doing the business, I think that's the sort of range we would be looking at. But obviously with him not playing well and obvious, and as well with us actively trying to get rid of him as well. So it's probably a fair a fair price. And it's it's a it's a good move for Glenn. He needs to re reinvent himself and revitalize his career. So yeah, and it gets some it gets a, another player off the wage bill for us. Um and then obviously I would say There'll be, it's. I would think it's almost be a bit like a, a revolving door now. There'll be one out, one in, and then one out. I think that's how it's going to work. But yeah, good move for Glenn. All parties, all part, all considered. Before, I'll come to you in a wee second, Lewis. But Gallant wants to know, Brian, um, is that the new training range jumper? I wish it was because these are quality. <laughs> I wish it was. They don't make them like these these days, Gallant. You got? Did you not get that for your thirty fifth, Brian? I wish. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> right, okay, let's talk finances in, Lewis. Forty-five million for Glenn Kamara. Um, it's a, it's. I'm seeing back and forths online, and even in the in the comments of some of your videos, I'm seeing kind of back back and forths. There's some people saying we'll drive them to Leeds for the five million, bite your arm off for five million. There's other people saying we need to stop underselling our players. It's obviously really difficult because Glenn hasn't really showed much form in the last, what, two years? I think that's probably fair to say. Um, so where do you stand on on the reported four or five million fee? Well, I, I think in terms of talent, it's definitely undervalued. Um, Glenn is easily a 10 million plus footballer on his day. Um, but I think, as you say, it has been about two years since he's been consistently performing, bar a few decent cameos in the Europa League run. I think he's been rather invisible. So I think five million is pretty fair. Um, but I also do agree with the comments that Rangers did need to stop undervaluing some of the players. Like Fashion Sakala should be gone for more than four million because he's not under any contract restrictions in terms of like having a year left in his deal. He's got plenty of time left in his contract. And whilst we have seen that he's no maybe the most naturally gifted footballer for the past two seasons, despite no starting most of the games, he's still contributed well over double goal involvements. So I think he's maybe more um, the target that we should be pushing for higher finances towards. But in terms of Glenn, I think five million is probably more than fair. And for Leeds as well, as him as an individual, I think that's a half-decent move, considering how he's played recently. Well... I mean, well, Paul in the comments, and it's fair, it's fair comment. He's saying, look, forget the, the name Kamara. A full international with two years in his contract is worth double that for me. Um, is it as easy to say that, you know, he's got a few years left in his deal and he's a full international, so therefore we should be pushing um, for more money? Or is it a case of looking at his contribution to the team, where he is in the pecking order? Um, what do you think? Well, you've got to look at it the way that, other teams have been looking at it. I mean, he hasn't featured a lot in the last. He didn't feature a lot last season. Um, and look at look at the business we've been doing. We've got we've gone to teams and got players that are they're not quite out of favour, but they've kind of they maybe they maybe drifted a little bit from their, their top form. And we've brought we've brought them in for 
under the market value. So we've we've done that. You know, bringing in guy, bringing in guys like like we well, we brought we brought in Catlin and Raskin because we're running out of contract. That's fair enough. That's a, a different thing. But I mean, we brought in we brought in, for example, we brought in Dessers because he's didn't really score a lot of goals last season. We got him for a decent price. So, but then we are saying to people, well, you should be paying us what Kamara was worth two years ago. But we are not prepared to pay what Dessers was worth two years ago. You know what I mean? So we have to look at it that way. I still, if we can get four or five million for Kamara, I think that's a great bit of business. But I mean, I agree we shouldn't be underselling players. But I think I think that's kind of stopped because there was serious interest from Preston and Scott Wright, and the reason the deal fell through, I believe, is because the clubs couldn't agree a fee. Now, in the not too distant past, we would, we would just have said, "How much are you willing to pay?" Right? You won't come down just have them for that. Then, you know, because I believe personal terms were agreed. It's just the clubs couldn't agree a fee, so it's. We do seem to be playing a wee bit harder ball. I mean, four four million for Glenn Kamara. That 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 would be okay because if we if we can sit if we can put him between four and five, and bring in Danilo who's still rumored to be coming for about the same money, it's effectively we're getting him for nothing. So that's not not too bad a deal for me. And before I mean, you and before you come back in, sorry, can I also say hi, George? It was nice to see, it was nice to see you in Larkall, even if it was very fleetingly. But yeah, it was nice to see you, George. It's, do you know what? It's murder walking down the street with Wolf. It's absolutely murder because he knows every second person. It's it's ridiculous. Um, Brian, <coughs> Russell Campbell in the comments as well. Why keep him if we ain't planning to play him? Take the five million now or lose him for nothing later down the line. A few different aspects to that. I don't think it's a case of, you know, we're not, we wouldn't accept five million pound um, even though we weren't planning on playing him. I think it would be, would Rangers accept that amount of money if they felt that they could get more for Glenn? Now, as supporters, we can all sit here and say what we want. You know, we think we should be getting eight, nine, ten million for Glenn, or we'll be lucky to get two million supporters. It's all about opinion, but it, the bids that come in depends on, you know, the valuation that Rangers feel that they can get for Glenn. So, 45 million um, for Rangers, I suppose, is a deal that they couldn't really turn down, could they, Brian? No, I don't think so. Um, especially when it's a player that you're wanting rid of as well. You know, um, as I said before, it's 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 we're not all just Brian, we're all just assuming that yeah. Michael Beale wants rid of Glenn because let's not forget Glenn was here. Glenn came in un under the, the Stephen Gerrard Michael Beale era. So for all we know, Michael Beale could be saying to himself, I know that I can get the player that Glenn was back. Perhaps, but maybe Glenn's just turned around and said, Look, I've been here for what is it, three, four seasons now? He's maybe wanting a fresh, you know, fresh change and a, a new scene. So it might not be. M Michael Beale might have wanted to keep him, but I think it's more more likely it's a case of that Glenn's turned around and said, look, I, I'm just wanting a, a, a clean slate and I'm wanting to move on. So I, th I think it's more coming from the player's side than the manager's side. Because I think if, if Michael Beale had a chance to, you know, keep a hold of him, he would have. Um, so I think it's, this is coming from the player, and I think he's just wanting a, a fresh sort of slate, as I say, and move, move to another club. As I say, as well said, you know, four or five million, you can you can sort of raise your eyebrows and sort of say, well, it should be more, but he's not played much. Um, he's not shown much form. Although, as, as Paul said in the comments, you know, he is a full international with two years in his, on his deal. I would like to see them try and squeeze a little bit more out of it. Maybe, maybe with the add-ons, it will maybe tilt over 
six, seven million. So we, we might get that, um, you know, like a, a promotion clause to the Premier League and stuff like that. So let's just hope there's a, a couple of add-ons in there just to sweeten the deal. But yeah, I think if, if we get a bid of four or five million for for Glenn, then all parties, it's it's all good. Yeah, but I'll, I'll come back to that comment in two seconds. Firstly, um, channel legend John Baxler, I'm always, always supporting the podcast with another super sticker. John, much, much appreciated, my friend. And, and as usual, I hope you're well. Um, and it's it's great to see you back. Um, I've lost, obviously, that comment that you brought up. Well, in fact, there it's there. Um, we can't command more than five million for Kamara. He hasn't played for most of last season. And the last players we, we sold have largely been failures. Aribo and Bassey had awful seasons. Now, that wasn't the exact comment you brought up, but going along with that kind of player trading model, um, until we, we we sell players who then go on to have good seasons, um, the argument would be that we can't command the sort of figures as a club that we are, we are looking to command. Yeah, I think CGM bang on the money. I mean, what, what he said in the original comment I brought up was that we don't have that reputation, unfortunately. Uh, those across the city do, and he's right. I mean, they've, you know, they, they, they sold, for example, they sold Virgil Van Dijk to Southampton for a decent, a decent lot of money, and then he went for four or five times out to Liverpool, and did the business. So they've, that's just one example. They've got that reputation. We don't have that at the moment because our two big money signings recently haven't really done anything. I mean, Aribo, as as you pointed out, Aribo didn't have a great season. Bassi didn't have the best season at Ajax, but. I noticed that Ajax have turned down a 20 million euro bid for them. So they're because they're holding out for more money. So, you know, we do we do need players that we move on to be going the next step up for big, big money. And that takes a bit of time, that takes a bit of time to build up. You know, I mean Nathan Patterson as well hasn't really ripped it up at Everton. But I mean, if he can if he can get or become a regular in the Everton team and then move to a higher level club in England, so maybe move to like an Arsenal or a Chelsea or a whoever, you know, for 40, 50, 60 million. People look back and go, well, he, he started off at Rangers. That helps our reputation in the market as well. So, yeah, it was a very, very good point for CGM. Yeah. Going back to that rich, that rich comment there about the timing, we've been horrendous over the last couple of seasons with timing of bids and not accept them and, you know, shifting players on when they're at their peak. That's been a, a huge massive blunder for me you know there's been Kent there's been bids for Kent there's been bids for Kamara Morelos you know maybe one or two others but we didn't sell when these guys were at their peak when we should have and we're now paying the price yeah I mean that that could probably be a whole podcast on its own um to be fair but Lewis just moving because I want to come on to um the he's he's names went right out my head the new CEO will help me out Bisgrove, geez, oh man, that went right out of my head. I want to come on to Bisgrove, obviously being appointed onto the SPFL board. I know Rangers and Celtic CEOs take turns um, on the board. I want to come on to that in a wee bit. But Lewis, another rumour, of course, is that Scott Wright um, could be heading to Turkey for £500,000. Um, and again, I'm seeing people debating the fee that we have agreed to sell. And this is, of course, if it's true, because we don't know 100% if it's true, but nine times out of 10, there's no smoke without fire. Um, Scott Wright to, and I'm not even going to attempt her name, a club in Turkey for £500,000. Your thoughts on that? Um, it's, it's a hard one with Scott Wright because when the Preston news first broke, 
um, I was aware that Preston had, um, I think that their fee was about 500,000 and we were wanting to hold it for closer to a million. But then now we're going to let them go for that same price to a club in Turkey. It doesn't really make sense. But again, it's, di it's difficult with Scott Wright because he's not an international player and he was never a regular starter. Um, and he didn't have many big performances. So I don't know if he's a player that you can command a large sum of money for. And to add into that as well, he's, he's like 25, 26 now. So it's not like he's got uh, potential to lean on. I mean, personally, I would I would have liked a wee bit more closer to the £1 million mark for Scott Wright. I think 500 is a wee bit too low. But again, it's, it's still a double in um, what we purchased them for. I think we purchased them for about 250000 So it's still a profit, I suppose. But I, I would have liked a wee bit more. But what can you do? He's, he's the absolute quintessential definition of a fringe player. So we're getting some money and a wage off the book. So you can't complain. I mean, well, CGM again, would rather keep right and sell Matondo, um, who'll be on a much higher wage. But, I mean, it's going to be so much more difficult. And I did get a message, actually. And uh, you know me, I don't throw about rumours because I don't pretend I've got any inside knowledge. But um, Matondo could be another one heading out the door. Um, but I'm not going to get into too much of that. So, like I say, I don't like to pretend I know stuff when I don't. Um, but it's so it'll be so much more difficult for Rangers to get rid of Matondo than what it would be right. Yeah, you can only sell the players that people are prepared to buy. You know, possibly, I mean, possibly somebody is prepared to buy Matondo, but we'll wait and see. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Yeah, but the problem, as you say, the problem with Matondo is he's reputed to be on an awful lot of money. I mean, Scott Wright won't be on anything like what Matondo's on, so it's easier to move him on. I mean, I agree with Lewis. It is, does seem a bit, a bit strange that it, it would appear that we're accepting the same sort of money from the Turkish mob that. Was it was originally offered by Preston, but I'd imagine what's changed. What's changed that is they'll be offering Scott Wright more wages. I'd imagine they'll, they'll come in with, with, with more wages. I believe they're a they're a new club that are heavily backed. They've got no fans. They've got a ground that holds about four people. Um, but you know, about like Dundee United then. No, they've got a ground that holds a lot of people. They just don't have any people to put in it. I know. I just like to slag Dundee United off. I just like to get oh, a Dundee that. United reference in there. Come on. Oh, you're quite right. You're quite right. But no, I think that's possibly what's cha what's changed that with a, uh, you know, where he, where Scott Wright's going because obviously, if the if the deal's agreed for a similar price, but he's getting offered more wages to go to go to Turkey, and he fancies it, you can't you can't blame the guy for going. To be perfectly honest, uh, I don't particularly care where he goes if it gets him off the wage bill, it brings him money, and I wish him all the best whenever he goes. Don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, and Matondo, yes, if it was a case of you have to lose one of them. I'd say get rid of Matondo and keep Scott right, but we're probably, as you say, probably going to lose them both because we've effectively replaced them both already. Yeah, yeah we have, but... Right, okay. There's Brian. a 23 grand difference between the two players. Yeah, no, and wages, and no, listen, I completely get that, and of course, with the higher wages, that's also going to be a lot more difficult to try and sell Rabi on, because let's face it, if you're a player and... You, you want to get rid of them when a club come in and say, we'll give you 20 grand a week, that's all we can afford. You're, like, you're not taking that drop in wages, are you? Um, but Brian, Scott Wright, is there a place? I mean, obviously, it's looking like 95% is away. Right? But I want to talk about Wright and Matondo. Is there a place at Rangers for Scott Wright? Or is it a case of if we want to move on and we want to progress and be competitive in the Champions League, we can't have players at the standard of Scott Wright? <clears throat> it's maybe a case of Michael Beale's returned and thought 
well, we bought him when you know when when Gerard was there, and he hasn't obviously maybe progressed or seen much of an improvement in him. So maybe Michael Beale's thinking that you know he needs better. Um, I, I mean, I appreciate what Paul's saying. You know, he's he set up a goal in the Leipzig game and then scored in the cup final. So you know, I, I get all that, but um, maybe Michael Beale's just thinking, look, I I I can get better than than Scott Wright. I mean, he's he he's a young, well, I, I'm not sure if he qualifies under the like the Scottish quota for Europe. I'm not sure if that's even a thing for him. Maybe he does. So that's that's another reason for keeping him in the sense that, you know, the, the quota sense. But Michael Beale's obviously decided that he can get better than Scott Wright, and he's obviously not played much. You know, he's 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 bits he starts here, fits and starts. He maybe gets a sub appearance every so often, but you know is. As Lewis said, he's the quintessential, you know, squad player, and we need, we, we just need a little bit better, I think. In in terms of the Scottish quota, and well, for come to you because I can see you want to jump in on this, right? But in in terms of the Scottish quota, is Scott right not a player worth keeping? No, because as Folk are pointing out in the uh, in the comments, he's not good enough for Rangers. Quite quite with, me, with, the, with the greatest respect to the guy. Yeah, but if we need if we need a set amount of Scottish players. Right, which we do. Um, who out there could we bring in, or who have we got at the club that would do a better job than Scott Wright? If the cho- if the choice is if the choice for me is is Scott Wright or Bailey Rice, I'm putting Bailey Rice in the European squad. So that's if we're sh- if we're short of Scottish if we're short of bodies for the European squad because we don't we don't have players to fit the fit the Scottish homegrown or home trained quota. Put some put some of the the B team and the guys that. That we think can possibly make a step up, you know, putting guy, guys like Bailey Rice. If it's Scott Wright or Alec Lowry, I'd put Alec Lowry in the squad. I do think he'll probably go out on loan, but if if he doesn't, I'd put him in the squad. Um, the only thing going for Scott Wright is the fact he's he classed as Scottish trained, but I just don't. You can't keep him around for that. I mean, the biggest problem we had last season, the first eleven was fine. It was strength coming off the bench. Keeping Scott Wright's not improving, not improving what we're bringing off the bench any. So, from that point of view, like, we need to get rid of players. We can't just say, well, he's, he's Scottish trained, he'll, he'll do for a, Europe, a European quota. That's no use. We need we need the, the, the squad to be stronger. And keeping Scott right on the bench isn't making the squad any stronger. CGM's, you know, making the point, is Lowry better as a homegrown player? Bailey Rice is a, a central defensive midfielder, so it's unfair to compare him to right, Lewis? Uh, see, just before I, I comment on the, the CGM point there, it, it's, I, I might be wrong here, but see players under 21, do they count still in, in the the uh, club-trained quota for Europe? I feel you like... Have, I haven't played football manager for about 10 years. You so can, Lewis, Lewis, I think you, you, can li- you can list as many under-21s as you want. Uh-huh. But, they, but do they still the count as a place? They can if you put them in. But no... I mean, you can, you can have 25 players in your squad. Eight, I think four have got to be national trained, four have got to be club trained. The rest uh-huh. can be from anywhere you like. And you can put uh-huh. in as many under-21s as you like. They're, uh-huh. in the, they're in the B list, if you like. Right, OK. Uh, I Sorry, can you bring that comment back up? I forgot what it says. <laughs> Just a bit about Scott Wright and Bailey Rice and, and Alec Lowry. You can't really compare them in terms of uh, places because they don't play in the same position. And just the need for for Scottish players for the quarter for Europe. 
Uh, well, in terms of the three players, I mean, I think in the way that, in my opinion, how we'll set up is with three floating number 10s. Um, so Alex Lowry and Scott Wright would probably come under the same position, but if the choice was done to the two players, I think Alex Lowry already is a, a better footballer than Scott Wright, and there's about six years of an age gap, so that's a no-brainer for me. Um, and any time that I've went through position by position on our squad with the most recent introductions, there's there's not a place for Scott Wright at all. Um, not even on the bench. I, I don't think he's good enough to be second choice. And when you start becoming a third choice attack midfielder for a football club, I think as an individual, you kind of need to take a look at what your career options are going to be. Because um, you're looking at less than five starts in a season and probably less than 10 starts overall. And I think he's probably maybe a wee bit too good to be a third choice um, attack midfielder, even at Rangers. And he's not going to get second or first choice. So I understand why he's moved on. But in terms of like the, the Scottish inclusion in the Rangers squad, I think it's been pretty weak since we, we came back up for liquidation, to be honest. I think there's a real lack of um, Scottish talent that we've either brought through ourselves or went out and bought. And I, that's sometimes no through lack of trying. I mean, clubs like Aberdeen, for example, will price Rangers out of a good Scottish talent like Lewis Ferguson. I mean, how much did he go for like two and a half million pounds? And it would have been easily doubled if Rangers were or the purchasing club. So we we only helped by the rest of the country in that uh, that aspect. But it's definitely something that needs to be improved. Yeah, um, right, Brian. I want you to convince me that Rabbi Matondo is good enough to be in this Rangers team this season, and that there's a place there for him. Um, convince me. No. <laughs> Can you try and convince me? I can't think of anything off the top of my head. He's quick. That's about it. Is, is there no. anything? I mean, I mean, look, there has been a couple of reports that there is a few clubs interested in that we might be able um, to get them off the wage bill and sold. Um, but I think it's going to be extremely difficult. So if we don't, how can Michael Beale get the best out of Rabi and get him fit, firing and, and making a real impact in this Rangers team? Come on, Brian, give me something. And a big thank I mean, you to Des as well for the support, for the super stickers. Thank you, Des. Um, I mean, I'm finding it very difficult to give you any sort of positive spin on this. Um, I, I think he's one of these guys that needs a run of games, needs confidence. Um, and obviously last season he hardly played, so his confidence wouldn't have been very high. And then add to that his bad start to the season when he did play towards the end of last season is, um, you know, if it, everybody was obviously waiting for him to do something wrong and, you know, not not give him very nice uh, feedback on that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a, a guy that's, I think wingers, all wingers thrive in confidence and I just don't think he's got any of it just now. Whether the summer break and a new, a, a new season coming on might, Freshen him up, I don't know, but the signs aren't very good, and I just, I, I can't, see, I, I can't see him having a future. But never say never. I want folk in the comments. Somebody in the comments is going to come up and explain why Matondo is going to be turned around and become an absolutely phenomenal player for us next season if we can't manage to get him sold. So before I get people in the comments, Wolf, I'm going to get you, you, you Mister Positivity. Come on. Um, 
Rabi Matondo. He's going to be our player of the season. Just in case there is any uh, club club scouts or club um, CEOs watching us and considering Rabi Matondo, he's probably the greatest winger I've ever seen since David <laughs> Cooper. He's lightning quick. His distribution's fantastic. He shoots from everywhere. He's just wonderful. So go and get him signed up, guys. He's worth every single penny of the transfer fee you're going to have to pay. Look, I think there's a player in Rabi Matondo. Like, I really do. I don't think, I don't think he's he's earning the wages he's 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 on, um, because he's not he's not really done it for us. He's not particularly had a chance, but that's got to be down to what what he's done for us. He's not really when we've seen him on the pitch, he's not done a lot. Apparently, he's a really really good trainer, but I mean, I'd be a really good trainer at Rangers. I mean, doesn't mean I'm any good on the pitch. So now, for me, we can afford to let Rabi Matondo. I think he's one of those we signed him. It didn't work. Thanks for the memories. If you can get rid of them, get rid of them. Well, thank you, Paul. Um, players take time to settle and he got an injury and he couldn't get back in the team. Um, so I'm going to hold on to that and say that he's had a year um, and he's going to come to the four this season and he's going to prove he's all wrong. Um, yeah, okay. Well, um, we are now we now have a representative on the board of the SPFL and James Bisgrove. Um, what does this mean, if anything? It means absolutely nothing because because the season before last we had Stuart Robertson because that's as you said earlier that's the way it works. It's their guy one year, it's our guy, it's our guy the next year. Whoever the the CEO happens to be or the the chairman or whatever, whoever they put on, there's uh, makes absolutely. I don't think it makes a lot of difference because you can't, if you're the only person pushing for something, you ain't going to get it through on a board of, what is a six, seven, eight people on it, whatever it is. So on his own, he on his own he can't push it through. Um, so he'll have influence, he'll be able to make comment, but he, he won't, probably won't be able to do very much, I wouldn't have thought. But he'll certainly stand up and fight with, with Connor, I think, because he's quite good at that. And... He's got a, a wee bit of leverage because obviously we've got the, the situation where the, the SPFLs had to come out and apologise and they've cost themselves about a million and a half pound in legal fees for a case they could never win anyway that they've had running for two years. So he's he's got that in his back pocket. You can say, look, look at the, look at the mess you made. They don't want to do that again. But to do anything material, I don't, I don't think he's got any chance at all. Is it maybe, Brian, a, a fresh face, a different voice? Um, it's not Stuart Robertson going in there anymore. It's James Bisgrove. And, <laughs> and from what we've seen um, from James, he seems, you know, very eloquent, very good at his job. He knows what he's talking about. Could it be maybe a wee benefit for us just to have a different voice going in there, um, different opinions, diff- different conversations? And could we see any positivity from this? Yeah, yeah. All, all, all what you've just said, you know, he's a, a fresh, fresh, fresh face, fresh ideas. Um, I think what they'll find is as well, though, um, from what we've seen with James Bisgrove, is he won't take any nonsense. He doesn't look as though he's one of these guys that's just going to be a carpet and just sort of take anything. He'll, if he thinks something's right, he'll back them, and if he thinks something's wrong, he'll he'll tell them it's wrong. So, you know, um, it's he's he's you know he's a, a guy in his I think he's mid thirties I think so he, you know he's a very obviously a very smart guy, um, and he's. You know he's had jobs at UEFA and stuff like that, so he's um, he's not short of experience. So no, I think I, I as well says what he's what he's actually going to be able to do might not materialise much, but it's going to be a new voice, it's going to be new ideas, and hopefully 
um, better better relations as well in the sense that um, you know he'll stick up for us. Uh, well, I would like to think from what I've seen from him, he'll certainly stick up for us as a club more than Stuart, Stuart uh, Robertson did certainly. I know it's it's one of these ones, Lewis. It's I think there's only four. Uh, members from the, the SPFL and then I think there's it four for the championship or, or whatever so I, I think the issue that we've got is is that Scottish football is running such a way that in order to get any sort of change within Scottish football or do anything positive within Scottish football is always going to be ex- extremely difficult whether James Bisgrove's on that board or not I mean I'm no massively familiar um, with how the any of this runs in terms of the specifics, but I mean, even just having three club representatives for each league is, is silly to begin with because if they, they three people are said to look out for their own, then any decision that needs to be made that's going to help um, the the all of the league rather than just the sum, then it's not going to happen because they're going to be looking out for their individual needs. Um, so, I mean, I think the, the way it's set up needs to be fixed, but suggesting something like that in Scotland that you get you get laughed at because any major step forward is is is, is too much a hindrance apparently. Um but I mean I in terms of James Bisgrove, any any time I've seen him I think he's a very eloquent, well spoken, um, strong minded individual. And as Brian says, to be that age and be in the position that he's in, he's obviously a very intelligent man. Um and I I, I do quite like him. I think he's obviously came from a marketing background so He's got the, the gift of the gab and he's, he's quite decent to listen to. Um, so if it has to be somebody, I'm, I'm probably happy that it's him fighting for a corner. Yeah, and, and let's see if anything comes of it. We'll, we shall wait and see. Wolf, Rangers are back tomorrow. Now, yes, it's a testimonial. Yes, it's part of the, the pre-season, but Rangers are back. And that's the most important thing. Not only are they back, they're back at Ibrox. I mean, it's always nice to get a wee... A wee trip down to England or whatever for a, a wee pre-season jolly, but you can't even beat that first time back at Ibrox um, in the new season, even if it is only a, a friendly minute. Tomorrow's going to be fantastic. It's a sellout, which is fantastic for Alan McGregor. Um, part part of the reason it's a sellout, obviously, is because we've got um, 8,000 Newcastle fans here. So 8, Hold on, I, just, I have to correct you. And by the way, I clicked on the wrong button, which is why you've seen my big fat face coming up there. Um, apparently, Rangers have issued more tickets. Apparently, there is still some tickets available on the website. Well, it's going to end up a sellout. Whatever, right? It's as close to 50,000 as, as you're going to get. Right? 8,000 8, mad Jordies running, running about Glasgow. Glasgow is going to be a brilliant place to be tomorrow. Uh, particularly, you know, round, round about Ibrox, Paisley Road West and things. It's going to be fantastic. Atmosphere will be great. The two, the Toon boys, they, they, they'll they'll sing their heart out. We've, we've got the new singing section getting trialled in the, the front of the Copeland, so they'll be given at large. I mean, normally, you know, pre-season games and testimonials can be a wee bit stale, atmosphere-wise. I think Ibrox is going to be absolutely jumping tomorrow night, and there's no better place to be when the place is absolutely jumping than, than Ibrox. No, 100%, Brian. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, some of the new faces. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, the way that, that, that Michael Beale is going to carry this team forward. It's very, very early, you know, and it's a, it's a testimonial at the end of the day. We've got to remember that and we'll we'll come on and talk about Alan um, in a wee second. But I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing, even at the very early stages, um, how this Rangers team is going to set up and how, and how we're going to carry forward through the season. Yeah, 
um, new strikers, you know, new attackers, um, you know, maybe see a couple of new defenders, the new goalkeeper especially. That's the one I'm wanting to see particularly. Um, Dessers, you know, see how he gets on. Um, I'm, I'm wondering how long it'll, it'll it'll take for somebody in the crowd to go for F sake Tav or something like that. You know, somebody somebody's going to have a moan at something that somebody's done something wrong. But as you say, it's it's going to be four, it's going to be eleven players one half, eleven players the next half. You know, a typical testimonial. Um, it's I dare say the Newcastle players won't be exerting themselves massively either. But um. This has just got the excitement of a new season, you know, new players, you know, a lot of the old guard that we've had for quite a while has gone um, or are going um, in the sense that, you know, our field, um, Wright and Kamara are possible outgoings, so they won't feature. So it's 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 a chance for all these uh, new players and some of the, even the youngsters, as, as Wolf mentioned, sort of Bailey Rice, you know, so it's a lot of these, a lot of ch- even, a, even games like this, if they do well, you never know what the season will bring. Now, here's the, the, the main question, Lewis, that I've been seeing all day. Um, who brought that up? Well, you're on mute, so whatever information you're giving the people is not getting to the people. Sorry, yes, I brought that up, so yes, I, I will answer it. I'll answer it for Sharpie. Yes, it's 7.99 on Rangers TV, but they are doing a four-match package for the four pre-season games. I think it's 25 quid, but you can get the Newcastle one on its own. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Will. Um, there we go. So, Lewis, given it's a testimonial, but also a pre-season game, how do we play this? McGregor to start, come on, or what? Uh, well, to be honest with you, I've never actually watched a testimonial match. How young are you? I'm 23. <laughs> it's ridiculous, by the way. Have you ever been outside your house? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've had a I've had a hard paper around the right. The beard doesn't do <laughs> much. Uh, no, but as I say, I've never seen one, so I don't know uh, the intricacies of how it works. But I would I would imagine that you, you'd you'd see very little Alan McGregor, hopefully, because at the end of the day, it still is part of our preseason preparations and probably the the best quality we're going to come up against in the run of games that we'll be playing. So I would like to see at some point the the desired strongest 11 that Bill has in his head to play. And then after that, it's just all about experimentation. I want to see as many systems, as many formations, as many players as possible. Um, Because we've had, what is it, seven or eight new players coming in. And I want to see every single one of them get at least 25 minutes on the pitch. So just as much experimentation as possible and just uh, like any Rangers fans, I'm just buzzing to be back, man. Just buzzing. I know. I know we are. Um, Ian Ross, will you be doing a match reaction for the Newcastle game? Yes, we will. We do match reactions for every Rangers game, friendlies or not. So we will. there will be a reaction shortly after full time um, tomorrow night. Brian, depending on obviously, I think I, I think I remember, I think Alan Shearer's testimonial, he came on in the last seconds, he was he wasn't fit to play. Um, it, it doesn't always necessarily mean if you're in a, if, if it's your testimonial that you're going to play. It's not always the case. But do expect McGregor to get some minutes. But I would imagine it's probably a case of, what do, what do you think, last 10, 15? It just depends. I mean, I, I fully expect Butland to start the game purely because he's the new number one and he'll be, you know, thrust into the, you know, the what to show him off straight away. So I would imagine Butland should get at least I would say 60 minutes and then maybe McGregor will have the last half hour or something like that. Um 
But I mean, it, there, there was, a th I'm trying to remember, there was, was it Ian Ferguson or somebody like that played a testimonial back in the day and they couldn't play because they were injured. So, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, I, I noticed, or <laughs> I, I was looking in some horror McGregor training day. I thought, oh, don't, don't tell me they've signed him on a one year deal and that's going to be the, <laughs> the quota back up. I was, I was having sort of heart palpitations when that's, when I seen that. But no, um, I would, I would say it's like Butland will play, maybe play like an hour's worth and then McGregor will get the last half hour. I mean, it's got to be a case, Wolf, that Butland plays the majority um, of the game. Because, yeah, and, and I've, I've said this about three or four times now, but yes, it's a testimonial. But at the same time, it's also pre-season. So Butland plays the majority of the game. Yeah, I think he, I think he does. I mean, it's it's strange that it's a testimonial at the start of the season because quite often in the past, testimonials have either been during the season or towards the end of the season. So, you know, it's not treated... It's treated as a testimonial when the player it's for if they're, if they're not there. I mean, as somebody pointed out, Ali McCoy didn't play in his either because he was he was injured. You know, there's lots and lots of them haven't played in the testimonials. But I think I think tomorrow's more of a pre-season game, although it's obviously marketed as, as McGregor's testimonial. Um, he will, I would expect him to get minutes. It wouldn't surprise me if he started and finished the game. I know that sounds a bit strange, but they might start him take him off quite early and bring him back on again because you can do daft things like that in the testimonial. Um, but he'll he'll definitely get an ovation, so he'll either start or finish. You know, it's not like they'll bring him on at half time because they want to they want to have him coming on on his own so that he gets the ovation of the crowd and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I would expect Butland. I'm not I'm not sure anybody's going to get an hour as Brian says. Butland might get, and I'm not sure anybody's going to get an hour. I would expect the most any player will get forty five minutes, but I don't expect McGregor to get forty five minutes. So who who would bring on? For the beginning of the second half, if McGregor finishing the game in goal, I'm not quite sure whether we bring on, we bring on Kieran Wright to give him the experience of a full Ibrox. You know, does John McLaughlin get the gig? Because obviously Robbie's already said he's walking away, so that could be quite interesting. Or maybe Brian's right, maybe Butland will get an hour, but I certainly don't expect any of the outfield players to get any more than 45 minutes. Right, we have released a show about an hour before we started this live show on our Patreon, um, about our memories of Alan, what we think of that, what we thought of Alan as a goalkeeper that was brilliantly hosted by Wilf. It will be available to everybody on YouTube tomorrow morning and also wherever you get your podcasts, Acast, iTunes, etc. But it is available right now um, over on the Rangers Rabble Patreon. If you fancy signing up to that, the link for that is in the description. Loads of extra shows, etc., etc. If you are watching for the first time or you've you're watched a lot but you haven't subscribed, please do subscribe and give the video a like if you enjoy it and give it a dislike if you don't like it. All counts towards the algorithm nonsense. Um, how seriously then, Brian, are we taking this 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 game tomorrow as a as part of our preseason? It's, gonna be, it's 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 a strange one because it's is as the guy says it's it's almost like a, a testimonial slash friendly so um although testimonials are usually very pedestrian you know a you know preseason games are obviously a bit more competitive but this is gonna be a strange one in the sense that it's a testimonial stroke friendly so it's it's gonna be I would I would imagine some of our new players will want to give it you know as good as they can. I mean, Lammers was one that I've seen in the training that he wasn't hanging around and, you know, hanging back in training. So it's, it's, it's difficult. As I say, it's, it's, it's got the feel of a friendly, but at the same time, it's, 
it's a, an ultimately a testimonial. So as Gallant just said, it's, it's more about fitness. You know, the the the, the um, friendlies and all that at the start of the season are all about fitness. You could lose every game in the you know in preseason. Doesn't matter as long as you get the fitness up. That, that that's all that preseasons really. Are. I mean, okay, you want to win the games, but it's more about getting the fitness up and getting the getting the guys the get the you know the getting the groundwork done that they did in Germany, and then over the next few weeks in these games, get them back up to where they were um, two seasons ago. I mean, yes, I take that point, Lewis, but also this is the first time in a long time that we've had such a severe change in terms of playing staff. So we've got a lot of new players coming in um, who want to make an impression. It's the first time at Ibrox. It's the first time in front of what will be a full Ibrox. So, you know, you've got, you've got Dessers, you've got Lammers, you've got Sterling if he's fit, if he's back, if he's not. You've, you've got loads of new players in there who want to make an impression. I, as I, as I said in my, my earlier point, I think one of the, the biggest things that Michael Beale can, can do during pre-season is experiment. Um, and with the, the massive influx of players, like you said, I think that's, that's absolutely vital that we, we see as much of these guys as possible so that when the start of the season comes, um, Michael Beale has an idea in his head of more of a practical way of setting up the team because he's obviously got... Um, as I said, ideas in his head at the minute, but he's he's never actually put it into a, a match um, example. So it'll be good to see see what they're capable of because we've never I, I, in my lifetime um, of watching Rangers as an adult, I've never seen this many new faces in the door. You're maybe looking at three, four, five maximum. By the time we start the season, it might even be double digits of new players in the door. So these games are absolutely massive for, for the manager to do as much as possible in a, a, a relatively short space of time. Because remember, we've got Champions League qualifiers earlier in the season as well. So experiment, see what they're like, and hopefully by the first league game, we've got an idea of what our strongest team looks like. I'll let you come in on that as well, Wolf. But on top of that, what do we expect for Newcastle? Because obviously a lot of their international players, I don't know if they're fully back yet. I know they played... Gates head in a friendly, and it wasn't exactly their first choice. Um, I love him, but do we do we expect a strong Newcastle? Not from what I've heard, as you say, their international players are, are just back or just coming back, and I don't think the new signings are particularly in the door yet either. Um, I don't think, but I mean, whatever team Newcastle put out, every single one of those players will be will be wanting to impress the manager, you know. To put their name on on the team sheet for the next the next game on the games going forward, um. So from a Newcastle point of view, we could get we could get absolutely anything. But I think all the young guys and they'll undoubtedly play a lot of young guys. The young guys will be will be out to impress the uh, their manager. So I think from that point of view, it could be quite a, an entertaining game. For me, what's critical tomorrow for us is the fact that Ibrox is is full and it's loud. Because all of the new players, as Lewis says, it's it's the biggest turnaround of players in a long, long time. One or two of them have experienced Ibrox playing against us, but the rest of them haven't a clue. They know what they know what they've what they've seen. They haven't actually experienced it. So for them to to get to experience a full Ibrox in what's effectively just a kickabout, you know what I mean? And if they didn't know already what Rangers means to us and how important it is to. to perform well and win football matches, they'll certainly know tomorrow because there's not one of these new players will have played for any club where they've got a pre-season game that the ground's absolutely busting at the seams and the place is bouncing. 
that's going to be huge. I'll, I'll tell you one thing I did see a, a clip on Twitter, and I can't mind if it was a week ago or a month ago or a year ago. It was an Argentinian fourth tier game. Did any of you see that clip? Mm. It was uh, a fourth tier game, and the place was gone mental. Is that the one where he ran up behind the goal after he scored and went up to the fence with the fans? And he went up, and the place was gone absolutely mental. Yeah. Um, so unless any of them have played in the Argentinian fourth division, <laughs> then they might not have seen anything as mental um, as that. We'll finish off on our favourite memories of Greeks. But before we come to that, um, something that was mentioned there, Brian, was Robbie McCrory. Reports, obviously, and we've discussed this before, but we'll have a quick chat about it now. And it'll be interesting to get people's... See if you can in the comments right now before we come on to talk about it. Get up your favourite moments of Alan McGregor, favourite saves, um, favourite stuff he said in interviews, all that kind of stuff. Um, but Brian, Robin McCrory wanting away apparently after not long signing a new contract, which is quite strange. Um, but can we blame him? Not really. He's 25 um, and can I just also say sorry, thank you to Brian for the support for the super sticker. Brian, much appreciated. Thank you. He's obviously one first team football. He's, he's mid twenties now. Um, I I find this one quite difficult because he's every time he's turned out for the first team, he's done really well. Um, you know, I think he's 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 played six and conceded one. So you know, with with that sort of you know, he's done all right. He's had the odd moment where. He doesn't look very good, but, you know, he's not played much. Um, would he be a number one? Probably not. Um, but it's it's a difficult one because, obviously, we've trained him and, we've you know, we've got him through the ranks. Um, and I think, ultimately, he was thinking, right, you know, Alan McGregor's leaving. I've got a chance to be number one. And then we signed Jack Butland, and that pretty much shuts down any chance of him getting number one jersey. So... He's probably just thinking, well, uh, my chance is never going to come, so I'll have to move. So it's a shame as well, um, because I quite liked him. You know, I never, I, I wanted him in the team a lot, a lot quicker than he was introduced last season because I thought, well, the season's gone, so you may as well play him. Um, but that was the manager's choice. So, but it's a shame. But I, I just don't think he's a number one, unfortunately. So what's changed then, Wolf? Is is it simply um, the fact that we've brought Butland in? Is that is that been the catalyst for Robbie to decide that he wants to go? Because like I say, he's not long signed a new contract to stay at the club. He always obviously knew that he was going to have to fight for his place. So what's changed in that short time? I think if I was him, I'd be looking at it saying, "Okay, he's twenty five. We've just we've just brought in Jack Butland on a substantial wage because we got him for nothing." The guy's the guy's thirty, so he's still got a lot of football left in him. He signed a four-year contract, so even if Jack Butler only sees out two years of that contract, and he's going to he's going to come here to play football because you got offered twice the money to sit on the bench at Man United, so he's not coming. He's not accepting half the money for us to sit on the bench in Glasgow. So Butland is here to play football. Robbie Robbie will know that. So even if he stays for the, for half his contract, by the time that finishes, Robbie McCullough is twenty-seven. Now, as, as a 25-year-old, he's played six times for Rangers in less than 50 first-team games in his career at 25 years old. For the sake of his own career, he needs to go out and find himself a club. I mean, there's nothing to say that Robbie McCrory won't come back to Rangers in four or five years' time when he's 29, 30 years old and be our first-choice goalkeeper. But he's not going to do his career any good sitting on our bench for the next one, two, three years. 
So he's probably looked at that. And for me, the fact that he's not long signed a a, a long term contract is actually he's actually done us a favour because when we move him on, we can ask for a bit more money than we would have done had he had a year left. Yeah, that's true. If you get anything to add, Lewis, to Robin McCrory, or shall we move on to Alan McGregor? Nothing that's already been said, to be honest. Just move on to Alan McGregor. I kind of knew that was going to be his answer, so that's why I that's why I asked the question. All right, okay, Lewis. Finishing off the pod, obviously we've we've discussed partly about what we expect tomorrow. That is Alan McGregor's testimonial. He has been an absolutely phenomenal goalkeeper over two spells um, for Rangers Football Club. Um, your best memories? Um, well, I, I gave two um, in the video previously, but they were quite obvious memories. Uh, I did have another one in the locker. Um, it's a very a niche memory, but it just it personifies Alan McGregor perfectly. I don't know if you remember, we played Hamilton um, in the 2021 season, so the 55 season, and Hamilton were rock bottom like all year and were relegated. We came up against them in the best vein of form that Rangers have been in domestically since coming back up for the depths, and we were struggling for 70-80 minutes. I think we had two shots in target the entire game, and the goal that we actually scored was an own goal. And Alan McGregor was just absolutely outstanding all day. There's a, there's a famous clip of him screaming at the end of the game, just shouting, this is not fucking good enough. And at the end of the game, he's got man of the match, he's getting interviewed, and he's just like, I don't fucking care. We all shit. We should have been better. And that just personifies him as a person. Just, he's an absolutely elite-level goalkeeper. He's just been lauded with praise after, after one of his best performances. And without that performance... The famed record of going undefeated in 55 would never have came into fruition because we would have lost that game. There was no way in the world we would have won that to bottom place Hamilton. So when the other 10 players are not performing, you've always got Alan McGregor to count on and very, very, very little was in no there to be counted. So an absolute legend, probably given my age, but he's the greatest goalkeeper I've ever seen play for Rangers. Yeah, well, given your age, I don't think that would be... <clears throat> Excuse me, um, uh, nobody could really argue with that. Um, some of the, the mentions coming for the comments, and Brian, I'll come to you next, but some of the mentions, um, Gallant, has to be the Samaras penalty save, um, has to be, and then he's went, oh, wait a minute, what about the Bremen one in 08? Um, Sharpie's the save from, from Lee, Lee Griffiths. Uh, that, was, that was hard for me to say. It was almost as hard as what Lee probably has to say his own name. Um Kami has saves in the Europa League during his second spell. Um, yeah, uh, Thomas is given it Sparta Prague as well. Um, Gallant again, <clears throat> back-to-back penalty saves against Napoli. Um, it's just, Brian, there's, there's that many, and, and I think I said it on, on the appreciation um, podcast that we've done, that, you know, you think of one and you think that's it, and then there's another one and another one and another one. He's just, he was just an... And, and and I also said this, and this there's always going to be debates, and there's always players that you know can never be topped. You can never be better than this one's always going to be, you know, the best. But to even be in the conversation alongside Gorham, I think just shows how good he was. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, for for me, even he was that good. He even stopped Brian for talking. Did you see that? There you go. 
Sorry, no, but Gorham was simply the best, you know, you know, 10 years ago even, before all this, even before McGregor's first stint finished. Um, but, I mean, there's, as, as, as the guys are saying, you know, they've, they've brought up some of the saves. There was one, there was actually a game against Maribor, I remember, three, four years ago. Um, he had countless saves in that game. They saved a penalty in that as well, funnily enough. You know, I mean, I said it on the, the appreciation pod, you know, yesterday, I've never been so if, if Rangers have faced a penalty and McGregor was in goals, I've never been so confident of somebody saving it if it was him in goals. I I, I don't know how he did it. I don't know if he obviously had a, a system or a, an idea of where the players would go. I don't know what is, you know, is every every goal he's got a ritual or a, a way they go in goals. I, I think you'll find, Brian, that he just flung his arm out and saved it. Well, that's well. Yeah, he said that in an interview. I just went that way, and that was his. That was it. But you know, he obviously he's obviously got a knack. He obviously reads the the strikers when they're coming up to the penalty to take the save, and how he it, it wasn't just one or two saves of penalties. It was countless saves. Um, you know, it's it was it was quite frightening. Um, and I, I don't remember another goalkeeper in in the UK in the last 10, 15 years that's been as good. At penalties as, as McGregor. I mean, it's it's quite it's quite amazing when you if, if you actually I I'll have to, I'm actually have to go do a bit of digging and count up how many penalties he's actually saved. But I mean, it's ridiculous and that for me and and some of his instinctive saves. It wasn't just you know you know straight at him and it was it, it was like the as the guy said the one that Lee he saved from Lee Griffiths where it, f- it f- touched his fingernail by a, a you know just. It's a really difficult name to say that, isn't it? Yeah, Lee Griffiths, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, he tried to claim he didn't touch it and it was it came off the post. You know, just little things like that and gamesmanship, how he slowed the games down. And it was he was just a, a brilliant, brilliant goalkeeper. And finally, we've got somebody to rival Andy Gorham. Because I, I, I actually never thought Gorham would get eclipsed. But it's it's a debate now. Uh, yeah, it's a debate, and and again, that that just shows you the mark of how good um, Alan McGregor was. He had his moments, Wilf. You know, he was he played he clearly played on the edge. That 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 is that is for sure. And that one was against Hibs, where he just jumps up and kicks the boy in the back. He was very famous for the old leg kick. Yeah, I mean, he got uh, first of all to answer Brian's question. I think it was twelve or thirteen penalties that he saved, Brian. I'm sure I read that somewhere. Which is a which is quite quite phenomenal when you think about it. But yeah, the the um, the living on the edge. I mean, the Hibsling is famous for him getting into the dressing room, absolutely raging, being sent off and saying never can touch them. And everybody pointed at the TV because it was on Sky and went, "Ah, you did." And and I mean, and he, he got a right respect of one at Petardry as well. When we talked about that on the appreciation pod as well, he got a right respect of one at Petardry for kicking somebody. And then he and then he spent they spent the week he was, the week he was banned. Um, Watching a watching a game, I think it was involving our uh, cross city rivals, and he he basically he basically texted the um, or emailed the compliance officer every every two minutes for every instance, saying explain that to me, explain that to me. And they actually had to phone Rangers and say, look, going to going to wind him in because I think he'd ask somebody who who can who complains to the compliance officer, and they said anybody can do it. Right, but they give him an email address, and he just kept firing off emails to her like every single every other every other minute he was doing it. It was it was apparently ridiculous, but that's what he was like. You did an absolute crackpot. I mean, there's there's a couple of a couple of mentions in the comments about you know 
never be a legend because of what happened in 2012. We, we talked about that last night. We'll not, we'll not really touch on that just now. This isn't the time or place for doing that. Um, and I've got my own thoughts on that, which again, we'll not touch on just now. But I mean, as, as a goalkeeper, for, for the ability he had, the man's, the man's saves are incredible. Just absolutely. The, the Griffiths one, for me, one of the best saves you've, you'll ever see. And he's trying to say he didn't touch it. You know, the save in Bremen for me, the best save I've ever been lucky enough to be on the ground to witness. I think the one in Prague was better, but obviously we weren't there because of COVID regulations and stuff like that. But there's there's just so many. And another thing we referenced on the appreciation pod, which I'm sure you'll all listen to when it when it does go live on on YouTube if you're not here not on Patreon tonight, um, is the fact that you know, in years to come, we'll have all these Alan McGregor moments. But You've got some people that hold Gordon Banks up as probably the best goalkeeper the world's ever seen, but they only ever reference one save that he made. And it was a great save, great save from Pelly. But it's one save they always reference from Gordon Banks. Whereas we're sitting here, that's what, six, seven, eight different saves from McGregor without even having to think about it. Mm -hmm. So phenomenal player, absolutely phenomenal goalkeeper. He was, he absolutely was. And I'm I'm genuinely buzzing to go along um, tomorrow night. Just pay my respects as well to somebody who... Sorry, can I interject there, right? Well, I was on a wee, I was on a wee bit of a, a chat there, but yeah. Can't sorry, remember. sorry, sorry. I think this is worth it. Uh, do not quote me on this, but apparently Alan McGregor has saved thirty-three of his fifty-nine penalties he's he's faced in his career, which is well, a 55 percent save percentage, which is absolutely outstanding. If that's true. Well, I found out. I found out it was four. Six, he faced 62 penalties and saved 19. I don't know if that's right. Well, see, now we're just throwing out numbers. We know either way, either way, they're both impressive. Aye. And see, now I forgot where I was in my it was going to be a pure emotional speech there. So it was, I was building up everybody watching, there was going to be tears in the eyes, and I was going to have everybody riled up, but yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to going tomorrow night to show my appreciation to who to Alan McGregor, who has been one of the clubs greatest ever goalkeepers and I'm also looking forward to seeing Rangers again in the flesh, it's going to be awesome so thank you Brian, thank you Wolf, thank you Lewis, thank you everybody for watching, please like and subscribe and share and, and all that good stuff and we'll be back tomorrow night for a reaction which I haven't been able to say for ages so we'll be back tomorrow night shortly after full time for reaction to Alan McGregor's testimonial so thank you everybody for watching and yeah, we'll speak to you all very very soon Podcast Network.